Hello, welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear and I am your host. The Electric Theory's mission is to empower global pioneers and ignite diversity in thought. We fuel innovation and resilience to enhance people's well-being, help people reach their full potential, and foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Today's guest is Rachel Perry. Rachel is a high-volume, high-visibility retail leader with over 20 years of experience, driving success throughout her career. Her professional strengths encompass a diverse spectrum, including talent development, operational excellence, culture transformation, diversity, equality, inclusion strategies, policy formulations, strategic planning, employee branding, customer experience enhancement, project management, training, facilitation, and coaching. Today, Rachel directs her wealth of experience towards assisting high-level leaders and entrepreneurs in achieving their aspirations while nurturing robust, thriving organizational cultures. Her core belief centers on authentic success where the pursuit of ambitious objectives is harmoniously balanced with self-care. Rachel employs a comprehensive approach that integrates movement, visualization, strategic planning methodologies, impactful coaching to guide her clients from a routine autopilot living to living a life in the overflow. Please help me welcome the one and only Rachel Perry to the show. We have 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. Rachel, I am so excited to sit down with you today. Thank you so much for allowing me to have you. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting me be here. It is a treat and a pleasure as always. I'm so excited to jump into this. And this is something that I've been very excited to just like catch up with you on. It's been a little bit. Yeah. So we're going to do that right here, right now. Live in the action. That's how we do it. I That's love how it. we do it. I we love it. have to book meetings to hang out with each other. <laughs> and we're going to book a podcast. That's what we're up. doing at the same time. I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, so I do want to allow the listeners to hear your story. You have a very extensive background in the retail space and in leadership, and you are doing something that most people are not, which I love, and that's why I wanted to host you. Um, So let's kick it off with your story, your journey, your background, how you got started into the retail space to the extent that you are right now. But I want to start with you coming out of college. How did your college experience, your personal experience, you growing up get you to where you are today? Yeah, I actually went to school for music. Um, I studied vocal performance at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, and I grew up singing my whole entire life. Uh, Definitely have a love of classical music and honestly all music Mm -hmm. pretty much. And so um, I loved, loved being in competition and singing um, in music. So totally natural for me to go to a music school when I came home from college, uh, things were a little weird with my family. I wasn't really sure uh, why my brother and my sister were sort of frustrated with my stepmom. She really 
raised us for 10 years. My mom and my dad weren't in the picture for a while. And so are they older or younger than you? I am the oldest. Okay. Um, my sister is the middle and my brother is the youngest. And so we've always just been like really devoted mm-hmm. to our stepmom. So it was really strange that there was a lot of tension there. And um, it turned out a few months after I moved home, it was just really clear something wasn't right with my stepmom. Yeah. And eventually she had a mental breakdown. And it was really tough because she didn't even remember who I was or what I looked like. She didn't know my name. It was so intense. That's so scary. Yes. And I was 21. Um, My brother was going to be a freshman in high school, and my sister was about to be a freshman in college. And so I kind of quit music for a while just to dive full into retail and put food on the table for my family. Wow. Um, I took my brother in and he lived with me, which was kind of a battle. You know, he has a really strong will and obviously had gone through some really hard things. And so I would drop him off at school and then get a call that he was not there and just a lot on my young 21 year old shoulders all while um, visiting my mom in the mental hospital. We, only had one day a week for one hour that we could see her. Um, and it was tough. It it really taught me a lot about the stress and the pressure that is on people's lives. We're all a certain set of circumstances away or a certain, you know, line of chemistry in our body away from, you know, being in a situation like that. My stepmom is like a vibrant, passionate, wonderful woman who a lot of my Um, strength and confidence really came from. So it was jarring to see her um, really beside herself um, and not know who we were. So I ended up just like putting my head down and uh, going straight into, you know, my retail job. And I picked up as many hours as I possibly could. I had an incredible um, store manager who supported me and like championed me in the region and the district and got a lot of people to support us. And, um, you know, it was near Christmas time. So they like helped us out with like gifts and all kinds of things. So I could do Christmas for my brother and my sister. And, um, you know, at the end of that really incredibly difficult, very, very hard time, uh, I looked up and I had been promoted like two or three times over. Uh, I was able to buy a car for myself and, you know, put my uh, brother and my stepmom into a new apartment, help my sister get into college. And so not get into, she is brilliant, but helped move her. Um, And so that really just taught me a lot about like dealing with the hand in life that Mm -hmm. you're dealt and pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. I had done that a lot as a kid coming from a broken home and living in a, you know, a really poor neighborhood. If you had told me then that, you know, being a kid like left alone all summer, um, caring for my young sister and my brother, no parents around. We ate biscuits out of a busted freezer for an entire (laughs) summer. Like if you had told me that I would be here today, you know, I just... I wouldn't even be able to imagine it. Yeah. You know? Wow. I truly do, like, have chills that that Mm. is the situation. You being 21, 
I mean, I remember when I was 21 and if that fell into my lap, I don't know that I would accept that role. And there's so many people that wouldn't have accepted that role. They would have handed it off to someone else or just left it as is and said, you guys can fend for yourself. And I'm literally just like in awe that you accepted that challenge, mm-hmm. put yourself in a position to take care of them and contribute to your mom who should, you know, as, as a mother being taken care of of you as her child, but you flip that role at a young age and we're able to take care of her and your brother and help your sister get into college and succeed in that environment. That's I'm literally blown away. I feel like, thank you. <laughs> I feel like we just didn't really have an option. You know, my parents are, wonderful people Mm -hmm. and they just weren't great parents to young kids and I'm really grateful like my dad actually I met him again like I googled him and found him on Facebook years later when I was living in New York and he was ready in his life to accept like I guess the shame you know and and he was in a place where he was like willing to allow me to ask questions and be a part of his life and for the last 13 years of his life, like he never made a promise he couldn't keep. He was my best friend, my biggest Aww. supporter. When he died, I actually had something to lose. And that was the most beautiful thing, you know, honestly. Um, yeah, to know that my best friend is like waiting for me in heaven, you know, it's it's a beautiful story of like redemption and love. And like my mom and I rekindled our relationship when I moved to New York, which happened, you know, shortly Mm -hmm. after kind of getting my mom and my my stepmom, excuse me, and my brother to a better place. Um, My brother ended up needing to live with um, some friends of the family because my stepmom just never quite was the same again. Mm -hmm. And so um, once things were a little more stable, um, again, I like had become a store manager and, um, you know, really focused on like development, giving people opportunity, but I was also like a take no shit manager right. <laughs> because right. I think just of we my background so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would expect nothing less. I'm sure you didn't just like lollygag around at work when yeah. <laughs> you could have been enjoying other things as a 21 year old. Yeah. So, um, I definitely had to learn over the years to put some velvet around the hammer, if you will. Uh, and it depends on where I am, what season I'm in, but yeah, there's, I, I think I learned at an early age, like what my boundaries are, especially at work, not so much in relationships, like with guys and stuff that came much, much later. But at work, for sure, I was really clear on, like, you know, the expectation and the opportunity. But that's also because my life was changed by those opportunities. Yeah. I did not have a car. I did not know when my next paycheck was coming in. My mom took care of, like, all the rent. My dad, the reason why we lived in an apartment is my dad did not pay our mortgage. We got evicted when I was a junior in high school. So it just kind of, like, fell I I just realized, like, no one is coming to, like, rescue me. Yeah. And I think the beauty of what God has done in my life is that even though there are those really hard seasons, 
like it fueled something in me. It brought something out of me to a new level. And then people would come into my life that were like aligned to help Mm -hmm. me and aligned to teach me stuff and aligned to support me. Um, But I was just hungry. I was a go-getter and I was hungry. And I, I just like would sit in the yard. We would have no AC and it would be so hot. Like kids. And this was in Texas? Yeah, in Dallas, right outside Fair Park. Kids like stealing water out of our faucet because they needed to flush their own toilets, you know. And I just remember being in the grass one day and I was like, I'm too big for this. Like I just felt I just felt like I was going to burst out of my skin. Like I was meant for something more. And I I am humbled and honored every time I drive by my old neighborhood because I just remember being like barefoot in the grass. Yeah. (laughs) Hoping for like the life that I have now. You know, that's incredible. (laughs) I'm like speechless. (laughs) You said something that was a big key factor, though, like even in the midst of all this pain and suffering and hardship, you ranked through the company and leveled Mm -hmm. up so many times. Why do you think that was? Um, I think part of it is which I want to preface this before I say it, because Um, A lot of what made me successful from level to level, I had to let go of in order to, like, be successful at that level, if that makes sense. So I wouldn't want anyone to hear this and be like, okay, I need to be like that or that worked for her. So because once I had reached and achieved, like, success, I would hit a plateau. Mm -hmm. And if I did not shed the thing that made me great (laughs) in the last time— It was a real pinch point for a while until I learned how to grow and develop. So I think, yeah, that adapting, that evolving. But I told everyone what my goals were. I told everyone what my goals were. They would be like, hi, how are you? I'm like, hello, I'm Rachel Perry. It is so nice to meet you. I'm currently an assistant manager in this volume store. My goal is to be a shop manager in this volume store. I want to tell you a little bit about what the company has done for me. I want to talk to you a little bit about the direction I see, the part I can play. I mean, it was a little brazen, yeah, (laughs) you know, but I told everybody that I had like a clear elevator pitch and I worked my ass off. I, I worked in... I think that was half of it was just Mm -hmm. like being willing to do a little bit more work than anyone else, come in a little bit more earlier than everyone, be the last one to leave and not for like a badge of honor. Like, again, I had to learn to shed that as an adult, but there's a season of like earning your stripes and like cutting your teeth, you know, that I think is so important to submit to. So I think it was that combination. And the third component I would say is that I got results. Right. You can say whatever you want to say. You can spend as much time and energy on something. But if you do not have a report card and a track record of success, you have no credibility. Absolutely. And I like sold my face off. Everybody that I worked with sold their face off. Everyone in my shop had like extreme pride that you could eat off of every single surface. And we like we would get visits from other leaders and VPs and stuff because they're like, this store has never done that before, you know. Incredible. I think, you know, where you're constantly trying to do better than you did the day before and beat yourself. Where do you think that you learned that from? Or was it leaders that were in that organization at that time that went before you and showed you the path? Or was it you just literally putting your head down and working hard because you wanted to get a situation you were in? Mm. 
what what do you think it was that made you push that extra mile to yeah. achieve that? Um, my dad was pretty tough. <laughs> Never accepted anything less than an A, but yeah. always really challenged me. Um not to do it for anyone else, but because mm-hmm. was I actually proud of it? So that was a part of it. I do think a big foundational piece is like I knew I wanted to get out of my situation. And yeah. my dad was really clear about how no one was coming to rescue me. Right. You know, fairy tales are really fun for escapism, but they're not real. You yeah. can rescue yourself. You can save yeah. yourself kind of thing. And then I think I had some really incredible mentors along the way that I am so blessed with. My mentor and good friend to this day, Beth Feldman, is amazing. I worked with her at the body shop. I started working with her, um, her husband actually, at Illuminations. Illuminations closed down. I remember I was a like a senior floor leader for Brian at Illuminations, <laughs> just selling and then opening and closing the store. Um, But Brian was amazing. And then his wife, Beth, was opening the body shop at Stonebriar Mall over 20 years ago. And I got selected to be her assistant manager. And she took, like, my raw, fiery spirit and, like, showed me how to lead a visit, showed me how to, like, set up my team, showed me how to coach people, definitely showed me how to not just, like, wipe my feet over their development doormat. (laughs) You know, she taught me how to, like, be... Um, that's where I really learned like soft skills and, um, the, the partnership of that and under her tutelage, you know, I've been promoted to several stores from there and she has mentored me through my entire career to this day. Like her son is Brendan is 20. He's about to go to school in France and I used to babysit him and, you know, to this day. We, we still chat. I just yeah. actually spoke to her yesterday. Aww, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Having a solid voice in your life for that extended period of time is so important to anybody. I mean, to be able to have someone that can encourage you, strengthen you, talk, talk you out of a situation or talk you into a situation mm-hmm. is there's no better thing to have but a solid mentor in your life and the fact that She's been around for a long time and been a great voice for you is very powerful because not a lot of people have solid mentors when we should all have them. Yeah, I would say another amazing mentor is Jessie Kelpie from Lush Cosmetics. She's now a retail director there. She hired me at Lush. I felt like Lush was going to be the company that I would go into multi-unit management with. Mm -hmm. I just saw the opportunity. But um, I had worked for other companies that were just more direct, to the point, and a little, like, shame-based in their leadership. Like, shame was, like, a good, you know, golf club to swim with. Mm -hmm. Not great, but, you know, but it— on the one hand, it made me really clear and really direct, which which we needed. But I needed to find a happy medium, and she yeah. really helped me with that. Um, she also just, like, really held me accountable, you mm-hmm. know, to, like, if I said that I was going to send something on a Tuesday and I needed her to read it, if I didn't send it by the time, I'd just get a little email that just said, update, question mark, in the subject <laughs> line, you know? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I did say that I would do that. So I just, um, I think that was a really great, like, spot for me to really hone in on 
even more soft skills development, lead with a lot more fun, a lot more of my own personality, but also like really confront the Mm self-sabotage, you know, that sometimes like popped up in my leadership um, and really understand the art and the science of like when to push people and when to inspire them. Yeah. Definitely learned that from her. And then I would say Lori Webb at Bath and Body Works, she really trimmed the fat off of my leadership. She made me efficient, made me um, sharper and better, and she got rid of a lot of the happy talk. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of times people love to, like, talk Mm -hmm. and hear themselves chat, but it doesn't add up to anything. Sure. And Lori was like, it's it's this or that, not, you know— Right. Or can you make an assessment? Is something a red or a green? Like, why do you always have to go for the yellow? Yeah. She really, really taught me a lot about, like, my runway for change, my runway for performance managing people. And she made me really, really, you know, clear about my goals and my direction. And she pushed me to, like, make an effort, do something, make an action plan. But it it would have an impact now, today, mm-hmm. in the moment and translate into the week. So I that that is a really important thing you have to learn who who to submit to yeah and you have to learn again like that season of like earning your stripes and man if somebody with the street cred and the the actual chops is like coming at you and sharing something like open your ears practice it learn it and apply it because those who can take feedback and implement it the quickest they're the most successful. And my first ever, one of my first ever DMs told me that. Her name's Candy Roffers. She was at um, the body shop. And to this day, that's like advice I I cling to, a filter I cling to. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you can take that advice from someone that has been on that road before, take that advice, put it to practice in your life and apply it. You can do that quick. You obviously, they just paved the path for you. Why would you not? take that. But a lot of people, I mean, myself included, there's so many times when we're hard-headed about those situations or think that we know better or just push it to the back burner, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But you're so right about that. If you take that advice that they're giving you, and especially if it's tried and true and you take their learning curve <laughs> instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, yes, it's like you carve years off of that learning curve for your own life a hundred percent and if they're giving it to you like for free Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know if you're just you happen to be in the meeting room that's like college you got paid to go to that's like a master class you got paid to go to so like absolutely listen observe take it I was actually with someone the other day and they were kind of like hey I'm gonna be this and I'm gonna be that and I just was like not if you can't do this this and this Mm -hmm. and they kind of clutched their pearls and I was like hey listen I wouldn't be doing you any favors if I left the room thinking that. Right. Right? And if I didn't honestly give it to you. And part of the reason I'm coming at you like that is because there's there needs to be an adjustment. Your yeah. your reading is a little bit entitled. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's like definitely hard stuff to hear. Those are things I personally yeah. have heard. Yeah. But man, if you can like sit back and like rest with some of that, mm-hmm. somebody being honest and giving you that upfront, it's usually like the biggest gift versus the person that's always making sure that you like feel good yeah. in every season. Absolutely. It's not always going to feel that great Absolutely. to grow, you know, totally. and it shouldn't feel bad all the time. I'm not saying about the shame, but, right. or, you know, right. leaders who sometimes 
only operate that way. But but if everyone can acknowledge that they have room to grow, mm. it makes life so much easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. What I keep hearing from you is all of these leadership skills that you keep mm-hmm. referencing that you've developed over time from mentors and different experiences. What would you say are those top things that you've learned yourself that you look for in other leaders, whether that's to promote them, bring them on, onboard them, whatever it is. What are those things that you look for in other people that you were like, this is a leadership quality. I'm, I want you a part of my team. Yeah. Uh, this answer has changed a lot over the years. And I think it's changed since I talked to you last. last. Yeah. Because I, you know, as I've opened up my own coaching business and like really working with clients, doing it on my own, all these different industries, I think that the biggest like sanitization of leadership since COVID is a lack of point of view. Mm. I walk in and so many people, no matter what field it is, they're just like lost in the sauce and looking for you to tell them what you see and then kind of try to wrap their mind around it. And it's, um, it's, a, a lack of role clarity. You know what I mean? Like, my and is that role, like in their own life both. or within the job? Both. Like, there's usually a bit of I'm lost in the sauce in life and I'm not sure if I'm really happy. I want to stick right. with this. Um, or, like, gosh, I'm underperforming in this area or mm, my job's a little lackluster, but I'm just not sure why we're not getting the results that we want to get. Sure. The fact that you're not sure mm-hmm. tells me a lot about you and your process yeah. and how you view your time. And what you're up to. Yeah. Get sure. Like if I'm going to lead a multi-million dollar business, I need to be real freaking sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm accountable to like my shareholders. I'm accountable to, right? I need to be sure. That's my job. Mm-hmm. But if you're wandering around and you're kind of like, not really sure. And you don't have any process to figure it out. You haven't asked anybody any questions. It just tells me so much. So perspective is probably the biggest one. Point of view is the Absolutely. biggest one. And then I think you got to be coachable teachable. And I think you have to be determined in the right way. If you're cemented in your platform, Mm -hmm. you're not open to any feedback. You don't want any, you know, coaching. You're determined kind of in the wrong way. But gosh, if challenges come your way and you're like, I can't wait to overcome this. Here's a few ideas that I have on how we could do. Oh man, that didn't work. But let me check in with this person determined in the right way. I think those three things for me are the biggest ones. But if I only literally had to pick one, it'd be point of view. Because even if your point of view Mm -hmm. is incorrect the fact that you have one we can usually try to get somewhere right really tough to like talk to somebody and ask thoughtful questions yeah and try to get them involved in critical thinking yeah when they haven't bothered to do it themselves how would you say as a leader yourself how would you empower those people Mm -hmm. to number one find out maybe what they're passionate about and so that they can have a direction of traction or how would you inspire them to take action on finding what that point of view is? Yeah. I think that um, it doesn't happen without objectivity. And so one of my biggest roles is to help support with objectivity. And the unfortunate part about once you get it, it's like blinders have been taken off. It yeah. doesn't feel that great. Yeah. You know? So, um 
the first piece is, is like presenting some data, asking some questions, getting them to an insight. Right. Sometimes that can be like just observing their team with them standing there or me asking their team a bunch of questions in front of them and just watching the answers. Mm -hmm. And it's uncomfortable because they want to like jump in and talk. And I'm like, just stand next to me. Let's just listen to what your team says. Yeah. Do that for a little while. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Oh, it's the worst. And I know (laughs) because I also have done, you don't learn these exercises just because like I'm a cool trainer and I'm a cool coach and I read that in a book. Right. I've done that. Yeah. I've been you, yeah. <laughs> and it's not fun. So I think that's it, right? Like get them to an insight, give them some objectivity. Then I think it's about setting up a time where they can sit down and really write out, like, what are, do they want to be known for? Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. they want their time to be? Like if they could wave a magic wand, what would they be doing with their day and with right. their time? Okay, what are the tools and the resources and the talent that's needed in order to make that happen? Yeah. you got to craft a plan, right. you know? And the thing about inspiration is it just doesn't get you that far. Yeah. So it's not a warm and fuzzy process. I think a lot of people want to, like, leave the conference and be like, Mm -hmm. woo, and then Mm -hmm. they get home. They have no idea how to implement, you know, and execute. So I think that the biggest thing I try to, like, name for everybody is the inspiration will come in doing the work, right? Once you see the results and you start to – we have to spark that belief, right? Yeah. a lot of times being an entrepreneur or being a visionary, um, having a dream in your heart, a lot of times the dream is alive in you mm-hmm. and it is a reality for you and you are waiting on the world to catch up. And that's why we have the spirit and the heart and the motivation and the fire, right? The eye of the tiger. For other people, though, I have already set the stage and I know that that world exists. Yeah. We need them to click. it. I'm waiting for them to catch up. Right. And so I think that's where you have to like balance as a leader and really help them understand like they have to trust the process mm-hmm. and they have autonomy within it. If they choose to ignore your coaching and it, and what they're doing doesn't work for two weeks, like believe that we're going to have a conversation, yeah. you know, um, you get to be in choice as to whether or not you do it. But I get to decide how long right. your results get to like impact mine. Right. You know, yes. Especially yes. if you choose not to listen to me. Yeah. Right. And it's not listening to me for listening to me's sake, but there is a piece when you are trying something new, trying to build something new, you haven't been there yet. It's very difficult to lead people where you haven't been. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've done that. Let's join hands. Let's let you work in the process. So, yeah, all that to say is they got to get to an insight <laughs> and they need to trust the process along the way try some things. Um, I think if they don't have a growth mindset, it's really, really tough for people to make the leap across the chasm. Absolutely. I was just talking to one of my best friends the other day and was very passionate in this conversation Mm. (laughs) about how many people, and this was from a situation I've been dealing with for the last like two weeks with a specific company, how many people are just walking around on the face of the earth completely, not necessarily blinded, but walking around without a sense of purpose and mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. And it is mind-blowing to me. Like, mm-hmm. they literally will wake up, go do the same rituals they do every day, whether that's go to their job that they don't necessarily care about. They're not in a field that interests them. They're mm-hmm. not doing anything that they are meant to do or passionate about or created to do for that matter. Then they'll go home, binge-watch Netflix for hours, go to mm-hmm. bed, 
do the same things on the weekend, go out, drink with friends, whatever. I'm like, you're literally going through this whole life without having like an end goal, without like having these milestones that you want to achieve to better yourself and to better, better those around you. And it's, it is mind blowing to me how many people are in this rat race of life without having a sense of direction. And it's scary. And it's honestly so heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. you have this one life, like let's use it to the fullest and painting that picture for people that don't have that right now is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of, it's funny that you say that because a lot of like being a coach is like in business for myself is like, no, you really do need me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I think the biggest lie that like the darker side of life like wants to tell people is like they don't really amount to anything and they don't really have to, you know, give anything. I'll use myself as an example. I, I um my father died six years ago. It happened really suddenly. It was totally crazy. I lived in New York, moved home to Dallas, stayed here for a month, commuted back and forth to New York for three months for my job, and then eventually just needed to, like, stay here. Yeah. Um, my brother was struggling with, like, drug and alcohol abuse. My niece was, like, five at the time, and it just was, like, so clear that I needed to be here. Yeah. I moved my brother in with me um, and my niece, all the things, just to make sure they had what they needed. But when I um, went to church, I went to Shoreline City, my first service there, I I just cried the whole time. You know, I just, like, knew I needed community. I needed something. Didn't know what it was. And at the end, my pastor said, um, give it a year. Mm-hmm. Give it a year, serve, jump on the journey, give it a year. And I realized, I mean, I burst into tears because I realized that I hadn't decided mm-hmm. to, like, live beyond this tragedy. Yeah. But I didn't know that. Right. And I think a lot of people are on autopilot. Yeah. You know, um, in the day-to-day, in the grind. And I think that a lot of people believe that they're not meant to live an extraordinary Mm -hmm. life, an extraordinary life that is full of all of the things that light them up and give them joy. That is just as much work kind of, you know, or if not more, maybe a little bit as like the day to day grind, but like the kind of exhausted that you are at the end of a day, walking in your purpose is so, so different. The joy (laughs) that you get out of it. So, so different. Don't get me wrong. I'm a single mom by choice, adopted my Beautiful, stunning, incredible, smart, perfect baby. She 14 months ago, she's the best. She just started walking. But, you know, she doesn't always sleep the whole night. Yeah. And she's teething. And she's also doing, like, um, walking up to me, hugging me so big, and then just, like, biting me. You know what I mean? The yeah. kids come with stuff. But right. that was a dream. You know right. what I mean? I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And I feel like, you know— there's a season where I could have been like, ah, you know, I don't have a husband. You know, should I wait? Like, how right. do I do it with one income? You know, those are real yeah. questions. But also, like, the magic that happens when you, like, go and you take the leap. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people get stuck at the question part. Absolutely. I would love, that's my dream. God, I would just love as many people on the planet, every single person, to be living the life they were meant to live. Absolutely. 
thank you so much for I joining us. I being here with you. On the Electric Theory Podcast <laughs> as our guest today. This has been a fun conversation. Like I said, I could sit here for another hour and 30 minutes and keep going. Let's do it. Part <laughs> 17. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the Electric Theory Podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on social media, on Instagram at Electric Theory Pod. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the Electric Theory Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And we will see you next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It was another good day. We had another good day. And if you line up enough good days, fuck around, have a good life.